0: Of the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, TJ McBride from MileHighSports.com, your home for all Colorado sports, pros, preps, and collegiate and everything else in between. Uh, tonight was a very interesting night for the Denver Nuggets for a multitude of reasons. Not only did they beat the Portland Trailblazers to stay undefeated in their division and to also lock up the tiebreaker in the head to head battle with the Trailblazers. But the Nuggets also were a part of the biggest trade since 2000 when Patrick Ewing was traded to Seattle, according to Bobby Marks. The Nuggets were involved in a four team, 12 player trade tonight that sent Wancho Hernan Gomez, Malik Beasley, and Jared Vanderbilt to Minnesota with Atlanta involved with um, obviously Minnesota, the Houston Rockets, and the Denver Nuggets, of course. Um, So that trade we'll be talking about extensively. I will definitely get into this Nuggets game as well because I find that it's very important to talk about it because in my opinion... This was a very, very, very important win for the Nuggets for a lot of different reasons. So I'm gonna get into the game itself. I'm gonna talk about the trade deadline, talk about this trade, talk about what it means for the Nuggets, why they did it, and what could be coming. And then, as usual, I will answer questions from listeners in the last segment of the show to be able to, um, you know, open up some different narratives and talking points that maybe I just didn't venture into myself. So thanks to everybody who continually sh- uh, supports this show. Thank you to Bet Online who is a new sponsor of this show you'll be hearing very shortly about bet online and in addition to that terrapin care station as a sponsor of the show and the regulators production group for putting together for the beats on the intro and outro of the pod so Tons of people to thank, tons to talk about, and really, let's just get into this Nuggets game real quick. Uh, the Nuggets won 127-99. Uh, this was probably the closest to Nuggets offensive basketball that I can think of in terms of the Nuggets getting back to their old school identity of ball movement, lots of pace, lots of open shots, tons of three-pointers, efficient looks, and a ton of assists in the game. So overall, very, very impressive offensive game from this Denver Nuggets team obviously they were led by Nikola Jokic who only played 3 quarters in this game in those 3 quarters Jokic managed to accumulate 29 points on 11 of of 17 shooting and 3 of 5 from 3 to go with 13 rebounds and 9 assists the funniest part about Jokic's game to me was at the very end of the 3rd quarter I I wouldn't say this if I didn't see it with my own eyes but I swear to God Nikola Jokic was tracing or chasing that triple double seemingly every play there was I believe 5 Five straight passes that should have been assists that ended up not being it, whether it was a miss three by Malik Beasley or a missed dunk by Malik Beasley or Torrey Craig blowing a layup or whatever it was. The Nuggets were not able to get Nikola Jokic that 10th assist of the game, no matter how hard they tried, and to see Nikola Jokic just diming guys up trying to get there, it was genuinely funny. Um, I tweeted this during the game, Nikola Jokic might be the most hysterical on-court player that I have seen in person, and I've watched Ty Lawson, I've watched J.R. Smith, I've watched John Wall, I've seen all these different people, but Nikola Jokic, randomly. So he got stuck in the post. Almost an offensive three second call. Uh Hassan Whiteside is all over him. Nikola Jokic literally didn't jump, spin, turn, nothing. From a standstill, he wrapped his arm around Hassan Whiteside and underhand scoop-shotted the ball, missed the shot, got his own offensive rebound and put it back in. Literally the entire Pepsi Center like in unison chuckled. It's just so ridiculous what Nikola Jokic does on the court. And for him to get 29, 13 and 9 in in three quarters of action is just absolutely insane. Uh, Jamal Murray returned to this game as well. He had 20 points, 6 of 9 from the field, 3 of 6 from 3. 6 of his 9 shots were from 3 right now or uh, in this game, and that was awesome to see. He also got to the foul line 7 times, which was a game high. He hit 5 of his 7 free throws, had 2 rebounds, 6 assists, and only 2 turnovers to boot. 20 points in 20 minutes for Jamal Murray in his return to the Nuggets starting line up and the Nuggets team overall. He had missed 10 games with an ankle injury prior. So it's so good to see Jamal Murray not just return, but to do very good things, to shoot efficiently, to create good looks for teammates and only show a little bit of rust. Same thing goes for Will Barton, man. 16 points, five rebounds, one assist, no turnovers. Six of nine from the field, four of four from three in 24 minutes. Just continually keeps finding ways to produce. Jeremy Grant, same thing. 17 points on 11 shots, went three of five from three himself. Four rebounds, two assists, also had a steal. Um, just really impressive offensive game from this Nuggets team, and it doesn't just it doesn't stop there. Their bench unit played great as well. They got 21, 28, uh, third. 35, 39, (laughs) 43 points from their bench tonight. 43 points is a lot. That was great to see from this Nuggets team. Also, I think the biggest takeaway from this game, and I know I'm flying through this. I'm actually trying to fly through this because I really want to get into the trade. So I'm sorry if I'm talking a million miles an hour. But the Nuggets bench unit really, really was able to, produce in a way that the nuggets needed them to uh monte morris three of seven from the field tory craig two of five wancho two of six malik was five of fifteen but going three of ten from three was really really important pj dozier had some good minutes jared vanderbilt and vlaco got in late every single nuggets player had scored in this game the nuggets had 30 assists and 50 rebounds shot 51 from the field and 50 percent from the three-point line on 34 attempts and most impressive is the fact that the Nuggets held the Portland Trail Blazers to 39.6% from the field and 29% from three. And the biggest reason for that was holding Damian Lillard to eight of 23 from the field. Lillard had 49 points in like six straight games leading into this. And the Nuggets held him to eight of 23 from the field for 21 points in 30 minutes. He was one of six from deep. And to go beyond that, CJ McCollum was eight of 18 from the field. Damian Lillard was a minus 23. McCollum was a minus six. The Nuggets swallowed up that group. There was a point between the, the end of the first quarter and the second quarter in which the Nuggets went on, eighth. I believe it was a 33-13 run. They held the Portland Trailblazers to 10 points in the second quarter. Just overall, what a team win by this Nuggets group overall. It was so impressive, and not a single player on the Nuggets roster played more than 31 minutes. For a Nuggets team that is banged up, exhausted and played a ton of games and is on the road now going to Utah for the second night of a back-to-back being able to get everybody some rest in this game was so important to what the Nuggets have going on going forward Um, to be to build off of this though there is some worries now so Jeremy Grant Was questionable to play with upper back tightness is what I'm going to call it. It was a thoracic uh, tightness which is like where the shoulder blade and the muscles around it meet the spine and the top of your back Um, and then he ended up playing but he rolled an ankle which he said it wasn't too bad Um, but still I mean the Nuggets do not need more injuries right now. Jamal Murray just got back and also came up hobbled and told media after the game that he was playing through the injury despite the fact that he doesn't really need to. The Nuggets could just continue to rest him through the all-star break but he really wanted to play so they played him anyway but Jamal Murray was playing through pain uh, Jeremy Grant injured his ankle despite having his back hurting. Paul Millsap is not back yet. Mason Plumlee is not back yet. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. did not play in this game with an ankle injury as well. And then now with the Nuggets trading Wancho Hernan Gomez, Malik Beasley, and Jared Vanderbilt, the Nuggets could be going into Utah tomorrow with Nikola Jokic as their only big on the roster. I mean, they don't have any power forwards left. Zero. You're talking about Vlako Chanchar, Tori Craig, and... Michael Porter Jr. if he plays soaking up all of those power forward minutes and having no backup center on the roster so the Nuggets are depleted going into this Utah game I don't know what's going to happen I don't know I don't know who will play I don't know if they just rest everybody I don't know who will be available all of it is up in the air as of right now but the Nuggets are not in the best place they have ever been so they're gonna have to get healthy but it's a good thing that they managed to not play too many minutes tonight so we're going to take our first break we're going to give you a quick word from bet online and then we are going to come back and talk about this nuggets' inclusion in this 14 mega trade that went down tonight on Tuesday night so stick with us and we'll be right back around the corner take a break because I need to tell you about our brand new sponsor bet online if you missed your chance to bet on Chiefs Niners fear not listener Blue Wire is excited to be partnering with bet online to help you win big no matter the time of year with March Madness the Masters Major League opening day all right around the corner bet online as you covered for all of the latest news scores and odds it's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up plus it's never too early to lay down your future bet for Super Bowl 2021. Head over to betonline.ag and use our promo code Blue Wire to use your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. When signed up, it's super easy, and you're already making wagers. It's a fantastic way to support this podcast as well. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, when you sign up at BetOnline.com. Bring your best bets home with BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Of course, the Nuggets inclusion does this absolutely ridiculous fucking trade that went down today on Tuesday night. At some point, at the end of the game, uh, it was it was a bizarre night to say the least. Um, once the game had ended and we started realizing what was going on and the trades were coming down the line, we were starting to get more and more information. The realization that this Nuggets team was finally going through its first upheaval since really being you know built together over the past five years was kind of a shock. And when you think back, Jamal Murray was drafted in 2016, and directly after him was drafted by, or the players that were drafted after him by the Nuggets were Malik Beasley and Juancho Hernan Gomez. They came into the league together, and really before them it was Gary Harris, and it was all of these, you know, Nikola Jokic, Will Barton, and the team slowly became what it is, well, yesterday from that point forward. Now that they are... You know, now that the Nuggets have traded Malik Beasley, Wancho Hernan Gomez, and Jared Vanderbilt, who was their second round pick in 2018, this is really the first time that the Nuggets locker room has had actual upheaval to important pieces of the locker room and of the on court product. This was not something that was, you know, expected going backwards or even expected this year. It was expected that they might get moved because of their. Uh, because of their contractual situations, but it never really felt real because it was a situation which the Nuggets have never done this. They ha- the- Tim Connolly has not been a guy who has traded a young member of the Nuggets core in any way. So this is extremely new. This is uncharted territories for Tim Connolly and this iteration of the Denver Nuggets franchise. And you could tell. So one of the most bizarre parts of this night was being in the locker room as all this information is coming out. So we're all in the locker room doing interviews, trying to talk about the game. I was going to write a story on Nikola Jokic's defense tonight, but all of that got thrown out the window because all of a sudden everyone looked at their phones after it buzzed because Sham Sharania of The Athletic went out there and reported that the Nuggets were a part of a four-team trade with the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Atlanta Hawks, the Houston Rockets, and the... Min- and, um, and uh, Atlanta Hawks, Houston Rockets, Minnesota Timberwolves, and Denver Nuggets. Those were the four teams. Uh, the Rockets, so there were 12 players involved. So I'm going to try and go step by step. The Rockets sent Clint Capella and Nene to the Atlanta Hawks as well as Gerald Green to the Nuggets. In return, they got Robert Covington and Jordan Bell. The Timberwolves sent out... Robert Covington, and Jordan Bell to the Rockets, they also sent out Shabazz Napier, Kata Bates-Jopp, and Noah Vonley to the Nuggets. In return, the Timberwolves got Malik Beasley, Wancher Hernan Gomez, and Jared Vanderbilt from Denver, Evan Turner from the Hawks, and the Atlanta Hawks first-round pick, which was originally owned by the Brooklyn Nets. For the Hawks, they sent out Evan Turner and a first-round pick acquired from Brooklyn to Minnesota to get Capella and Nene. the Nuggets, they sent out Malik Beasley and Wancher Hernan Gomez and Jared Vanderbilt. Um, In return, they got Noah Vonley, who can play center or power forward, Shabazz Napier, who now becomes Denver's third point guard, and Kata Bayes-Jopp, Job who is a young forward that the Nuggets can kind of use down the line. He is a young... You know, 3-4 kind of power forward, small forward combo who can't really shoot but has some creation skills, can play some defense, is a smart guy. So they got a young asset, they got a first round pick, and they got depth. Um, also, the Nuggets did technically acquire Gerald Green from Houston as well in this deal, but I was told by a source within the Nuggets that... The Nuggets are going to waive Gerald Green. He is out for the rest of the year at the broken foot, so there's not really a reason for the Nuggets to hold on to him. They would rather have the extra roster spot, I'm sure. So, that's a lot of things. Um, I know it seems a little bit overwhelming, so let's just talk about it from the Nuggets perspective. So let's just talk about the players that they sent out. So they sent out Jared Vanderbilt, who is an, a non-guaranteed player next year. His contract is not guaranteed next year for the final year. He'll be, a, he'll be a, um, a free agent after that, an unrestricted free agent. So the Nuggets were not really able to get much out of Jared Vanderbilt. When they lost Mason Plumlee, they lost Paul Millsap, and Jeremy Grant was kind of hurting. Vanderbilt was... Was not really able to be the you know the buoyancy to keep the Nuggets afloat that they had hoped. So Jared Vanderbilt kind of just became a casualty of the circumstance. He didn't get enough minutes to really prove himself, and the Nuggets needed to use him to be able to make this trade. When it comes to Malik Beasley and Wancho Hernan Gomez, the situation is similar, but also very different. Um, both of them were going into restricted free agency, and both were going to command very different dollar amounts. Um, who knows what Malik would have commanded? I would have said he would have been somewhere in the $20 million a year range, like 15 to $20 million before the year started, but now that he hasn't played very much, I don't know what his value looks like anymore. But the reality is is that the Nuggets were going to have a lot of hard decisions to make at the end of this season in terms of retaining particular free agents, and Malik Beasley seemed like a very obvious choice to not be in Denver going forward. So the Nuggets, moving on from two guys who were going to be restricted free agents and one player who they were not able to create enough minutes for, it makes sense to a degree. Um, of course, you would like to get more for it, but... The Nuggets were able to get a first-rounder, which was not really sure if they were going to be able to get one from Malik Beasley. They got enough depth to be able to deal with a lot of this, and they got a young player in Kata bates Job who can fill into DeWandra Hernan Gomez's role of playing a little power forward, a little small forward, if the Nuggets need it. Um, what's really interesting about this, to me, is not necessarily what the Nuggets immediately got in return because the Nuggets immediate return is actually very redundant um, Shabazz Napier is not better than Monte Morris right now and Noah Vonley is not better than Mason Plumlee right now so you would, when you look at it the Nuggets added more players to positions that they already have filled who are going to play behind the players they already have under contract that seems weird even if you get a first round pick the Nuggets are a team looking to contend this year so why would they do that what's the The idea there, when you start to look a little bit deeper, there's a couple things that come to mind and I wrote about this on Mile High Sports already. Um, In my opinion, the most impactful reason for this trade is that the Nuggets didn't just get depth back and a first round pick and whatever else. The Nuggets were able to help the Houston Rockets send Clint Capella to the Eastern Conference. If you've watched the Denver Nuggets, if you've paid attention to what they to the Rockets matchup with the Denver Nuggets, you would know that when James Harden runs a pick and roll with Clint Capella, there are three things that happen. The Nuggets will hedge out to try and contain Harden, which allows Capella to roll to the rim pretty much free. If the Nuggets send a help defender to stop Capella from rolling for free, the corner three-point shooter is wide open. If the Nuggets decide, you know what, we're not going to try and contain Harden, we're going to drop back and try and deal with this roller, then all of a sudden Nikola Jokic is backpedaling while James Harden has a full head of steam coming at him looking to score at the rim, and for someone who is as good as anybody at drawing fouls in the NBA, there's really no good answer for the Nuggets in that scenario. When you remove Clint Capella, and you add pj tucker in there you no longer have the lob threat you no longer have somebody who is as devastating rolling to the rim he is not the athlete that he that clint capella is in terms of his foot speed his first step or his explosion off the floor Um, he is a better passer and a better shooter but the nuggets are going to be able to defend the houston rockets much easier than they have been able to for the past few years in addition to that on the other end, when the Nuggets are on offense, you're talking about a Rockets team who has decided that they are going to start P.J. Tucker, who is is six foot seven at center, and Robert Covington at power forward, who they just acquired in this big old trade that I'm talking about. Nikola Jokic will do whatever he wants against P.J. Tucker or Robert Covington in the post. It doesn't matter. Over a long enough timeline, Nikola Jokic will score all of the points. If you start doubling him, he will find the open teammate. Now the Nuggets... Match up with the Rockets is so much better for them offensively and defensively. That is a massive win for the Nuggets. Do not overlook how important that causality is when it comes to this trade. That, in my opinion, might be the most important reasoning for this deal. There's other reasons the Nuggets may have done this deal, which I'll get into it right after this, but... From my perspective, from my thought process, if this is all they do, if this is it, the Nuggets managed to get off of two players who they weren't going to be able to keep this offseason anyway, they got a first-round pick to replace the one they traded for Jeremy Grant, and they got a young player that I know Tim Connolly values in Kata Bates' job who is a very interesting skill set type of a power forward who I think the Nuggets are going to like and Michael Malone will love. So that in its own self, is decent. Removing Clint Capella from the equation for the Nuggets in a playoff matchup is even better. But now, this is where it gets really interesting for me. I would venture to guess, and this is speculation, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN did report that the Nuggets are going to look to use this first-round pick in trade talks to be able to continually look to improve the roster. So with that being said... The low-hanging fruit and most exciting answer to who would they go after is, of course, Drew Holiday. Um, Drew Holiday wants to stay in New Orleans, from what I understand. What I also understand is that the Pelicans' asking price is extremely high right now. But, financially speaking, Mason Plumlee, Gary Harris, Monte Morris for Etwan Moore, and Drew Holiday works Financially, and then the Nuggets can send out the Houston 2020 first round pick that they had just traded for, as well as their own 2022 first round pick to add two first rounders onto this. I still don't think that would be enough for Drew Holiday, but let's live in the fantasy world where this trade exists. If the Nuggets make that trade and they lose Mason Plumlee, because of the trade they just made, they have Noah Vonley already there to slide into the backup center minutes. If they trade Monte Morris as a part of the package as well, what do you know? In this trade, they already have gotten Shabazz Napier to play as a backup point guard. If they send away Gary Harris, you are bringing back Drew Holiday in this deal, and you can then slide him in at the two, play Jamal at the one, start Will Barton or Michael Porter Jr. at the 3 and just go from there that deal for Drew Holiday it feels like the deal the Nuggets made on Tuesday night this 14 mega trade was a precursor for them to try and go get Drew Holiday I still don't think it's enough I really can't get past that point. It's hard for me to see a world in which the Pelicans are excited about two middling first-round picks, Gary Harris, who is injury-prone and having the worst year of his career since his rookie season, and Monte Morris, who is nothing more than a really steady backup point guard. Those are all helpful players depending on what circumstance you put them in, but for a rebuilding and slowly growing New Orleans Pelicans team who already has a treasure chest of draft picks, I'm not sure how entitled that Nuggets package is. I have been told, which was originally reported by Mike Singer, by the way, that Michael Porter Jr. is off limits. He is not going to be traded, and it sounds like the Pelicans want Michael Porter Jr. or they're not trading Drew to Denver. That seems like the impasse. If the Pelicans' price comes down on Drew Holiday, I would think the Nuggets would be right there trying to make that deal happen. On the other hand too, let's say a Drew Holiday deal falls through, the Nuggets then, when you start looking at Noah Vonley, Shabazz Napier, and Kata bates jop they can get rid of all three of them this offseason if they wanted to. Both Noah Vonley and Shabazz Napier are on expiring contracts right now, and Kata bates jop is on an unguaranteed contract next year to where the Nuggets could just cut him if they wanted to. So, not a whole lot of future financial impact from this deal, but at the same time, that first round pick. and being able to get some more depth in the way that they did could also allow them to chase a guy like Bradley Beal during the offseason. To remind everybody, Bradley Beal cannot be traded for during the regular season this year before the trade deadline because he signed his extension already. When you sign an extension, there is a certain amount of time that you are not allowed to be traded and that amount of time goes over the trade deadline. So Bradley Beal will not be traded until the offseason arrives, but the Nuggets now are more equipped than they were to trade. a a guy like Bradley Beal so that's kind of the trade I'm going to talk a lot more tomorrow with Ryan Blackburn of Denver Stiffs about this trade to get another person's perspective and then I'm going to try and get Shamit Dua who um, covers the Pelicans and is also a part of the Blue Wire podcast network to be able to come on as well and talk about a potential Drew Holiday deal so we're going to have more conversations about trades coming up we're going to have more conversations about Drew coming up and we'll have more conversations about this trade coming up but For now, we're going to take our second break, and I'm going to come back and answer some questions from listeners. Since 2010, Terrapin Care Station has been providing patients and customers with high-quality cannabis products at everyday low prices. Serving the communities of Denver, Boulder, and Aurora, they offer their own flower and concentrates, as well as all the brands you love at prices that you just won't believe. They pride themselves in having the most knowledgeable and professional staff in the industry, and their team will work with you one-on-one to help you find the products that are perfect for you. Their dispensaries are unassuming, safe, and discreet, with ample parking at every location for a senior. Seamless retail experience. For up to date menus and promotions, head over to www.terrapincarestation.com or just come visit one of their five convenient Colorado locations today. Again, that is terrapincarestation.com. T E R R A P I N carestation.com. Let's get into what is my favorite segment of this show, and that is always being able to answer some questions from listeners of the show, because in my opinion, we have some very, very, very smart Nuggets fans that exist in the world, and being able to utilize fans' thoughts as new narrative-building tools is something that I really want to do more of. So, Being able to take these questions in from listeners of the show and Nuggets fans alike allows for new topics to be discussed openly on the podcast. So thank you guys very much for sending those questions. Thank you for being involved in the podcast. Thank you for helping me to build this to what it is today. It wouldn't be nearly as good without you guys. So again, thank you, thank you, thank you. But. I picked five questions tonight just because I'm going to talk a whole lot more about this trade later on and pretty much all of these questions have to do with the trade. So let's just get into it. Uh, Blair Poza, I don't know what that means, but Blair, I know you on Twitter, asks, is this trade just a do, by, do right by Wancho and Beasley and do they waive Gerald Green? So as I reported earlier tonight after this trade had happened, the Nuggets are going to waive Gerald Green. He is not going to play for the Denver Nuggets. Um, but when it comes to doing right by Wancho and Beasley, I don't think it was specifically because of that. I don't think the Nuggets went into this trade deadline dedicated to finding homes for Malik Beasley and Walter and Gomez just to better their careers. I think it was definitely a part of it, but this is a business. The Nuggets were trying to create a better situation for themselves as well. So... While I think it's an important thing to note that yes, the Nuggets actively look for ways to be able to support their players and give them the best potential opportunities to grow however it may be, whether it's in Denver or not, that does not mean it was the primary motivation to be able to build this deal. You can go back to even Jameer Nelson. I know for a fact that the Nuggets had an opportunity to trade for a second-round pick and trade J- Jameer Nelson to somewhere he did not want to go, but instead of doing that, the Nuggets just waived Jameer Nelson and allowed him to choose where he wanted to play. Wancho Goma is in an extremely similar circumstance. Wancho was probably a throw-in in this trade to allow him to go elsewhere, where he fits well, by the way. Both Malik Beasley and Wancho fit well in Minnesota, and they'll both get a lot more minutes. They fit well around. Carl Anthony Towns they're both good shooters they're both off-ball threats and I think that the Nuggets actively looked for somewhere that would be the best place for those players while also trying to find the best deal for themselves so I think it's an important point but I also don't think it was the only motivation to getting a deal done. Uh, Mord on Twitter asks who else are we targeting is this for something bigger? It's impossible to not look at this deal and think it's for something bigger. The Nuggets added a third point guard and a third center to their roster as guys are coming back from injury. And sure, maybe those guys would help when you start looking ahead of the playoffs, but I would argue that having a guy like Malik Beasley would help more than either of them would help in a playoff setting. So when you look at it in a vacuum, this deal, while it did open up flexibility, it did not make the Nuggets better today. And that is something that is notable about this trade, and it's also why I think it's a precursor to something bigger, like I talked about earlier on the show when it comes to Drew Holiday or a guy like Bradley Beal. Uh, Javier asks, "Why the fuck do we need a first? I know how you feel, by the way, because everybody was just losing their mind on Twitter, so I had to include include the fuck there. So, thank you for your realistness, and I appreciate you being real on this podcast. So, I okay. So, this is the thing. The Nuggets don't need more young players necessarily. I get that. I get the idea behind that. But first round picks are not only assets to be used as a pick. The Nuggets being able to use that, you know, that draft selection as an opportunity to pursue different you know, potential trade targets right now is more important than the pick and what it could turn into in the 2020 draft. First of all, the 2020 draft is not that good. And this pick will likely be closer to the top, you know, like the, the last 10 picks of the first round kind of area. But, being able to dangle a first-round pick as an incentive-based part of a trade is only going to increase the Nuggets' odds of being able to find a difference maker before the trade deadline. That's why first picks, first-round picks, are so important. I'm sorry, my voice is starting to sound like I'm losing my mind. My brain is breaking. It's four eleven in the morning, and I'm sorry. So that's why I'm saying dumb things right now. But let's move on to the next question. Nas. Okay, I'm gonna try and say this name. Nash Loyble I believe I said that right, but I probably didn't ask if the Nuggets are truly targeting drew, how would he fit with the team? What What would the lineups be like? Would him and Jamal fight for who brings the ball up? This is a good question. And when I look at what the Nuggets really need to be able to take the next step especially on offense, they need somebody who can take the ball use a screen or an isolation break down a defense and kick out to shooters. Drew Holiday is extremely good at that. The Nuggets three point shooting in my opinion, not the only reason why it's been worse, but a reason it's been worse has because they have not been able to create as good of looks as they would like to in the flow of the offense. Drew Holiday would help in that regard a lot. I also think Drew Holiday will be a great DHO threat with Nikola Jokic getting downhill and a really good off-ball cutter as well. When you start looking defensively, the thing that's great about having Drew Holiday is that yes, he's, you know... Uh, the same height as Gary Harris with a similar wingspan, but that dude is just strong, he's stocky, he gets that into a stance and does not move and because of that, the Nuggets will be able to contain the perimeter much better than they have so far. So offensively and defensively, I think Drew Holiday helps a ton. That's not to say he's perfect. His shooting is an issue. Not to say that the Nuggets shooting overall isn't an issue. When, J- when Jamal Murray and Gary Harris are combining to shoot like 31% from 3 this year, adding Drew Holiday isn't necessarily going to hurt you but i would say that the nuggets losing malik beasley and and you know potentially adding a guy like drew holiday down the line if they do would overall hurt their ability to continually hit lots of three-pointers um I do wonder how him and Jamal Murray would coexist. I think Jamal Murray is better utilized when he can be on and off ball. He's been on the ball far too much this year, in my opinion. Uh, I think getting a closer to a 60-40 split of him on the ball and off the ball is a lot healthier for him. But I don't know if Jamal will want that. Jamal 100% feels like he is somebody who is a, you know, (laughs) lifelong point guard should dribble the air out of the ball sometimes. He does feel like he can do that, and he can do that sometimes, but it doesn't mean the Nuggets are at their best when they do that. Um, But yeah, that's about where I see it. Last question from James Raitt. Can you say goodbye and thanks to Malik Wancho and Jared Vanderbilt for the fans? I'm really happy someone asked this, and I was going to anyway, but now I get the opportunity to do it this way. First of all, nobody summed this up better than Adam Marez of DNVR. Is there really a better swan song for these players to go out with than Wancho going two of six, having seven points, eleven rebounds, and having some good moments in this game? Malik Beasley hitting three threes, jacking up shots, being athletic, um, having those buzzer beaters at halftime, all that fun stuff. And even Jared Vanderbilt, who had an assist in this game, scored a, you know, had a dunk and was having a good time. To see the Nuggets team be able to get good looks for those players in their last game. It was a cool moment, but there was nothing I will remember. Like, when Will Barton realized that they had been traded, I actually told Will Barton um, after his post-game press conference, because he was being asked about players being traded. And after the press conference ended, I told Will, I was like, just so you know, it's been reported that both Malik and Wancho have been traded. And then I looked to my right, and there are both Malik and Wancho who had both walked back into the Nuggets locker room to say their goodbyes to the Nuggets team. As I said at the top of this show, this Nuggets team has become a family. This is a group of guys who were all drafted and grew up together with this Nuggets team. They have not had an upheaval type of a trade like this. Malik Beasley has been here for almost five years now. And the way that Will Barton hugged him for like five minutes giving him advice and talking to him... It was something that you realize the love that these people have for each other and the fact that guys getting traded and their entire lives being uprooted and moved to an entirely different city is just something that's very, um, it's shocking. It's something that you don't realize until you see it in front of you, but... To, you know, to see Nicola or to see Wancho Hernan Gomez asking where Nicola is so he can say goodbye. You know, seeing Will Barton giving Malik Beasley that big old hug and his mom telling everybody that Malik's going to drop 50 on the Nuggets next time she sees him. You know, those moments you realize that these guys become a family. A lot of these NBA players, like Will Barton told me on my podcast before, these guys see their teammates more than they see their own families and when these kinds of trades happen you realize the reality of what is going on and it's sad it genuinely is sad but The Nuggets Nuggets fans, you can already tell on Twitter, they loved Juancho Hernan Gomez, loved Malik Beasley, always wanted to see more Jared Vanderbilt. They believed in these guys, they supported these guys, and they were constantly calling for them to get more and more minutes, and unfortunately, it just didn't work out. But if there's one thing you can do to honor all of these guys, it's to absolutely support them and watch them and see how they progress in whatever new You know situation they end up in it sounds like Minnesota wants to keep and retain both of them in restricted free agency it sounds like they have are going to have a better opportunity in Minnesota so that's all good but they help the Nuggets and there's going to be no denying that. Thank you guys so much for listening. It was a very fun show. Lots going on. Holy shit. Lots going on. I said it'd be a short podcast, but it's looking like we're going to be at 40 minutes by the time I finish this. So thank you guys so much for supporting. Thank you for being around. Thank you for reading. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all of it. We'll be back tomorrow with another podcast.